Over the weekend, Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi met with President Biden at the G20 summit in New Delhi. They discussed big topics like infrastructure and Ukraine. Ahead of this meeting, posters hung up in New Delhi declared India as the mother of democracy. But there were some people noticeably absent from this big bilateral meeting on Friday. The press. Journalists were almost entirely shut out from this important visit. No reporter could ask them questions, and the only images came from government photographers. Restrictions on the press in India have become this concerning trend for many people inside the country. People like Ravish Kumar, a popular TV journalist. My teacher told me that I should become a journalist because I write uh, in a certain way. And, but I didn't get a straight job in this uh, profession. Right out of college, Kumar went to work at a major television station, NDTV. I was hired for uh, scripting, and then I was hired for translating, and then I was <laughs> given a job on the news desk, and then I became reporter, then I became news anchor, then I became managing editor. He loved his job. But after decades of rising in the ranks, Kumar quit journalism last year. He did this after years of experiencing growing hostility toward journalists like him. The shift happened when Modi and his right-wing Bharatiya Janata Party, or BJP, rose to power. After 2014, content changed, and content became a kind of ammunition, and media became a kind of weapon. Kumar has now emerged as one of the most vocal critics of the government, and he's speaking out for press freedom and against the troubling turn he's seen in Indian media. It uh, it destabilizes me that journalists spend years and years in this profession to build their career and credibility. And here you have uh, a situation when your profession is uh, taken out of uh, you and uh, you are left alone and, and someone is deciding the fate of uh, journalism, not journalist art. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Elahe Izadi. It's Monday, September 11th. Today, the state of press freedom in the world's largest democracy. I spoke to The Post's South Asia correspondent, Karishma Marotra, about how journalists in India are still trying to do their jobs. And later in the show, we dig deeper into Kumar's story and what these restrictions on the press mean for the future of democracy there. I'm wondering if you could tell me a little bit about yourself and your experience working as a journalist in India, and can that tell us what it is like to be a journalist working in India today? Yeah. So interestingly, um, you know, I was born in the U.S., raised in the U.S., um, and I moved to India roughly six years ago or so. And I eventually uh, I got a job at the Indian Express and I worked there for three and a half years covering technology within the National Bureau. And that sort of gave me a big signal at that point that, okay, there's a clear you could say maybe disappointment amongst many of the journalists that I'd met Mm. with 
how uh, media was responding to the Modi years. Um, they would talk about a certain previous previous era of journalism that was slowly um, diminishing, and they they expressed a lot of disappointment even with the newspapers that they've always loved. Can you tell me a little bit more about this disappointment and just how it feels like to be a journalist in India right now? Yeah, so quite recently, uh, there was a study by the Center for the Study of Developing Societies and Loknati in India, and they found that 80% of journalists believe that the media covers Prime Minister Narendra Modi too favorably, and 16% said that they were asked to quit because of their political leanings, while more than half were worried about this. Um, And this sort of matches what you see on press freedom indicators, which all sort of shows sliding ratings due to things like violence against journalists, the concentration of media ownership, you know, arrests of journalists, killings of journalists. I think the other thing that is hugely important, um, more from the experiential feeling of being a journalist in India, is the constant gnawing feeling of surveillance. Data leaked to the Pegasus Project suggests several countries use the powerful cyber espionage tool to spy on activists, politicians, dissidents, and journalists. Especially after the Pegasus reports came out that showed many journalists, top journalists in this country, had surveillance software on their phone. It can read your messages, it can read your emails, it can look at all the photos, videos and other media on your device, it can access your contact. As for international press, of course, the recent BBC tax raid was a huge eye-opener. Officials seizing files and the cell phones of some journalists. The BBC in India was uh, raided by tax authorities, Indian tax authorities, wow. in, in Delhi and their, their Mumbai office. It comes mere weeks after the British broadcaster aired a documentary critical of India's prime minister. This is not the first time tax authorities under the Modi government have used raids, an effort, activists say, to intimidate critical voices. And increasingly I began to hear about you know, stories that just would never see the light of day, that your access to some of the top ministries is getting denied. There's even recently been changes in the parliament building, which has been reconstructed, where they've removed an area that for decades was sort of the place of mingling for many members of parliament Mm. and journalists. Um, And I personally, as um, somebody who's an American passport holder, but I also hold an overseas citizen of India card, and it allows me to travel back and forth uh, to India with ease. Mm -hmm. But around a couple years ago, they did start also cracking down on people who have this long-term visa, um, and we now have to apply for permissions to do journalism in India every year. There's also been increased restrictions on where we can travel, where we and foreign journalists can travel within India. So, you know, I, I throughout my time, I began to see those increased um, restrictions on my own visa and as well as these sort of anecdotes around me of uh, journalists quite disappointed with how the industry is turning. And what is behind the industry turning and these increased, you know, I don't know if crackdown is the right word or just further constraints on practicing journalism in India? What what, what are the forces that are driving that? It, is it Modi? Yeah, I mean, a lot of decisions are made at the very top and um, his influence is very, very 
pertinent to this conversation. Um, Narendra Modi is a prime minister of now two terms, who's going up for election next year. And his party, the BJP, is a strong Hindu nationalist party that believes and touts some of the ideals of creating sort of a a nation with both Hinduism and Hindus as being sort of the forefront of the nation, which is a huge shift from what existed before, which was a long period of proposed secularism within India um, and the idea that... um, religions uh, and diversity of beliefs and opinions should be allowed space within the country. Um, And so him, uh, his party have uh, become very popular, probably one of the most popular political parties in the world um, and have changed the DNA of India in many ways. So what exactly has Modi's government done regarding the press? Part of what his party has done is created a new level of press restrictions and freedom for the news um, ecosystem within India. The forces from the ruling political party have restricted access to information, access to um, bureaucrats, like lower level bureaucrats, um, access to documents, and they have you know, made it clear to many newsrooms um, that there are lines that cannot be crossed or there are lines that shouldn't be crossed. And there's a clear turn, not just from 2014 when he first won, but an even clearer turn when he won again in 2019, where you, you just saw this sort of level of these restrictions increase. Also, another thing to keep in mind is um, the business model of some of these newspapers is becoming increasingly difficult. What exactly do you mean by the business model? Like, how does that contribute to the constraints on the press? Many of the media owners in India own other businesses as well. Now, that's not unique to India. I know that that happens in other countries. But because in India, the government has a lot of controls over business, they can often use um, the controls they have over the owner's other businesses to perhaps tighten the screws on their news business. So for an American example, like let's say at the time when Bezos did own um, the Post and Amazon, um, if a president wanted to sort of uh, squeeze what the Post can or cannot write uh, by squeezing Amazon in some way, that's a really difficult thing to do in America. Um, In India, because there's so many licensees, there's so much bureaucracy that any business has to go through that really relies on um, consent from the state, It's a much easier process in India to squeeze the levers on the news business because there's so much cross-ownership happening. So so it's almost to say that because of the way the media infrastructure is set up in India, that the government can exert a lot of pressure, uh, has a lot of leverage, and, and that in turn impacts what people may be reading or seeing on television. Yes. And I know my colleague Tanya Chavla also spoke with Ravish Kumar, who seems to be a powerful voice speaking out against what's happening in the press. Can you tell me more about him? Ravish Kumar is an extremely popular 
former TV anchor and executive editor at a news channel called NDTV. He recently resigned after the news channel's ownership changed. And now it's being owned by a business tycoon who's very close with um, the prime minister, whose name is Gautam Adani. And so now Ravish is operating his own YouTube show and channel. And he's recently had this documentary come out talking about press freedom in India. This film uh, tells to the world that uh, this crisis of Indian media is not a uh, routine kind of media decline story. You know, NDTV probably was one of the last standing um, TV channels in India that was open to publishing and broadcasting information that perhaps just didn't parrot the government line. You know one thing, before uh, Adani took over, uh, my program was boycotted by the pro-government voices. They stopped coming to my show, spokesperson coming to my show, government ministers stopped talking to me. Ravish Kumar and what has happened to him in India uh, and his resignation has been sort of touted as an example of these increasing restrictions and constraints on newsmakers and news journalists in India. And do you think press freedom is really dead in India? Press freedom, yes. If you want to question uh, Prime Minister, if you want to question the government, if you want to do journalism, if you want to raise a right question, uh, uh, you have no space in, in, in the journalism. After the break, what the news looks like on TV in India and how that could influence the future of the country's democracy. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. Karishma, help me understand how people get their news and information in India. What are people seeing on television in India, and are more people watching TV compared to reading the newspaper to get their news? Yeah, it's very, very safe to say that in India, TV news viewership is way higher than what um, newspaper consumers, what that base is. So definitely TV news viewership is much higher than the newspaper base. I don't think um, (laughs) an American would ever believe what we see on TV. I've run out of patience with you, with the shallowness and half-literate nature of your arguments. But don't you dare speak over me. It has become just complete shouting matches. It's sort of gotten worse over time. You have, you, I've seen physical fights on TV in India. Um, 
But more often than not, you know, every evening is at, at the least three or four boxes with individuals from various viewpoints shouting at each other and shouting over each other. I will. Please do it. I will. I will tell you beyond. Please do it now. And speaking quite rudely, I'd have to say. Oh, keep quiet. You talk. Don't be a disruptionist. Um, and that has become the bulk of what the TV channels are showing here. And then, Karishma, I think this conversation about the kind of news people are able to get, what it looks like on television, and the way media works in a country— it's all related to democracy, right? Like how democratic societies function. I know that's a big conversation here in the United States. But in India, what is the state of democracy? What are the markers there? Um, this is a huge point of debate. Um, most political scientists who are looking at India at the moment call India a sort of illiberal democracy in the sense that they believe that India still does hold um, proper and fair elections every five years. But in between those five years is where we see the democratic backsliding clearly happening. You have crackdowns um, not just on journalists, but also on NGOs, on opposition parties. Um, often they're utilizing intelligent arms of state to um, raid and file notices against these different sort of dissenters. Um, and it's, it is very clear that there is a, a large form of democratic backsliding happening in India. I'm wondering whether there is any independent media. Yeah, there definitely is. I mean, that's why I don't, I don't believe that press freedom is over in India by no means. First of all, you have uh, outlets who are writing everyday um, stories about government wrongdoing and government accountability. A lot of them are online outlets. Um, and a lot of them are also independent journalists who've created their own news channels and their own sort of uh, regional languages. Um, but for example, Scroll and Wire and News Laundry and Quint, even in the mainstream newspapers. You know, I have friends who are journalists in China and Egypt and Turkey. And I will say that when we compare stories, um, you know, I, I don't think it's reached uh, a level where we're not seeing, you know, negative coverage about the government on the front pages of newspapers every day. Um, we still have journalists who are going to ministries and are knocking on doors and doing, you know, the ground level reporting um, that needs to be done. So I, I'm a firm believer that press freedom still exists in India. Is there constraints that are increasing? Of course, there's no doubt about it. But at the end of the day, to say that the mainstream newspapers in India are not covering things that are wrong uh, happening in the country would, would not be true. There are journalists who are doing good work on that front. Well, it also, though, does make me wonder about the pressures that individual journalists, in addition to their news organizations, might face. Like, they might be reporting these stories, but are they encountering a, a harassment? Are they encountering pressure to, you know, maybe not frame things in a certain way or not report certain things? And is there just a sense of an environment of, Yes, we're going to do this, but it's a very hostile environment, which makes it more difficult to do. 
Yeah, so I think both are true. I think that I have heard journalists at mainstream papers um, who have been told to change their framing um, or to exclude certain things or that certain stories can't run a particular way. And I've also heard stories of independent journalists and independent news outlets facing severe harassment, online harassment um, in India. And it is a huge problem. It, you are operating in an environment where um, you're going against the grain because, you know, it often feels like the forces are against you in that sense. Mm -hmm. And I wonder what the state of media in India, what implications there are for the future of the country and, and its democracy. Yeah, I mean, it's a for many Indian friends of mine, and as I spend more and more time here, it's definitely an emotional question. I think what we're seeing, we have this election coming up next year. At the moment, the front pages are quite depressing. Um, we have extreme um, ethnic conflict happening in Manipur. We have sporadic uh, conflict and violence happening near Delhi in the neighboring state of Haryana. So I do think that people are concerned about what this could mean for the future. It's hard to it's hard to predict how any political system or country will will turn out, but um, it is concerning to many people here what is happening in India. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and explaining all of this. Thank you so much for having me. Karishma Marotra is a South Asia correspondent for The Post. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Tanya Chavlaw, it was edited by Rena Flores and mixed by Sean Carter. Thanks also to Arjun Singh. If you want to show your support for our show, the best way to do that is to subscribe to The Washington Post. You'll also get full access to the kind of essential international reporting that you just heard here. You can do that by going to WashingtonPost.com slash subscribe. I'm Elahe Izadi. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen.